It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Now, here's your host, Casey Hendrickson. Wise Money deserves wise legal counsel. Powered by Ledoux, Curran, and Keene. On the web at lck-law.com. Hey, good morning. Thanks for tuning in to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. You are listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where we're helping you take your next wise step towards financial freedom. Every week, we're talking about the latest financial planning techniques and how to plan through various financial situations so that you can apply whatever fits in your life and improve your overall financial plan. My name is Mike Bernard, and with me as always, to my left, Josh Gregory, to his left, Kevin Corhorn. We are in a freezing cold studio Mm -hmm. here. They keep this thing like a meat locker, by the way. So Casey's rolling his eyes. (laughs) Also in the studio today, Casey Hendrickson is back. He's had a little bit of a a break. We're giving him excused absences for those. But actually, Casey's role is shifting a bit on the show. He's going to be shifting and will be on the air less, still producing. So if you like the show, you can credit Casey. You just won't be hearing him, his voice, just as much on the show. So thanks, Casey, for everything you've done. And glad that you're still going to be with us on this journey. You're welcome! (laughs) I don't know. I don't think anyone heard that. (laughs) We've got a great show lined up for you today, folks. It's tax time, whether you want to admit it or not. So here's a question. Is it worth it to itemize your deductions. Should you take the extra time and the extra effort to tally up all your own write-offs to see if you should itemize or not? Well, you won't believe what a difference it can make. We're going to talk about it today. It's an enormous difference in the amount that people get and itemized and so on. So we're going to talk about that. Also, what about getting a big refund? I know we're all trying to get as much back on our taxes as possible, but is it wise to intentionally have more withheld so you get a larger refund? Or should you aim to break even instead? There are passionate views on both sides of this issue, and there's some recent data that's come out that may change your answer. So we're going to talk about that and more tax issues coming up on today's show. As always, we're going to hit some listener questions at the end. That's always my favorite part of the show. You can submit your question two ways. Give us a call at 574-222-2000. We've got a voicemail box set up. You can leave your question right there. Or get more information on the show and leave a question online, wisemoneyradio.com. All right, let's dive into that first debate here. Whether it's smart, or should I say wise, to try and withhold more and get a larger tax refund, or whether you should instead shoot to just break even. Now, there's a big group of people right now, all you know, every tax season, who intentionally structure their withholdings or their tax situation so they get a big refund. They call it for savings, and I certainly can see where they're coming from. On the opposite side of that, though, there's a group of folks, and a lot of these are financial planners, financial advisors, who say you should shoot to break even, and that getting a big refund is much like you just giving an interest-free loan to the government. You should be earning interest on that money yourselves. Well, should the argument evolve with the times? Right now, no one's getting any interest on anything. And second, there's some recent, uh, there's a recent study that came out uh, talking about the psychology of investing. That's the book that, that's, that's been published that says people tend to make wiser choices when they get big windfalls of money than they do if they just have a little bit bigger paycheck. So guys, let's talk about this. What do you, what do you think? Well, I don't know. You, you said financial advisors all say get a small refund or break even. I, I'm actually a fan of getting 
decent sized refunds. And th- there is a school of thought out there, as you mentioned, that says, man, it's dumb to leave money in the government's hands throughout the year when you could be earning some sort of rate of return on that. And th- that's true. Um, but in my mind, the answer on whether it makes sense to get big refunds or not, it all depends on what you're going to do with the money. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you differ with that, Kevin. Well, no, but- I think if you're qualifying dumb, you have to ask the question, do I have any kind of debt that has any kind of a high interest rate at all? So if it's a toss-up between getting a $2,400 refund or getting $200 a month in my, more in my paycheck and applying that to my credit card or car loan, fill in the blank, then for sure I'm further ahead financially getting that money as it comes and applying it to my debt and so I'm ahead if I do it that way. So you're saying rather than give that the, the government that interest-free loan throughout the year, take the extra cash throughout the year and pay down on your mortgage or, or whatever debt you have and save the interest that way. Yeah. I mean, if we're in, and really, if, if we back it up a little bit, if we're using the word dumb, it's not one of my... Who's, who used the word dumb? Was that you? <laughs> that was not me. <laughs> I was uh, quoting other people. Oh, okay. But I, I think if we're going to use that word, I think that would apply to just not having a plan. Mm. That's yeah. a, as a financial planner, that's that's where I go first. And so I say, well, have a plan. If you're going to have a plan, whether that is to adjust your W-4 to maximize your paycheck on an ongoing basis or adjust your W-4, which is that helps your that, that's how you do your withholdings. But to get a big chunk back, you need to have a great plan and you need to give every one of those dollars a name. Um, Here, here's why I like a big refund, but then how I challenge it with a, with a lot of folks. I like a big refund because a lot of people, I don't think, have a great understanding of why they're getting a refund. And if something changes in their financial life, let's say one of their kids turns 17 and they don't realize what tax impact that has, you've got a little cushion there where all of a sudden you're not breaking the bank because surprise you owe. So I like that and having a little bit of cushion there. The reason why I don't like a refund, and I've done this with a lot of folks, is if their financial plan requires that they need to set aside more money for retirement or some other goals, let's pick retirement though and they're used to getting a $2,000 refund, if they add that $2,000 to their 401k contributions, they can defer that money and put it towards their goals, but also enhance their refund in the next year. Sure. And I think when you look at having that money, there are a lot of things that you could do with a big chunk of money. You could take that and still do some almost after-the-fact tax planning to contribute to a traditional deductible IRA or to an HSA and reduce your taxable income for the prior year and and really uh, expand the size of your refund. Yep, yep. So HSAs, IRA contributions, those are all things that you can do up until April 15th of this year for last year, and it can have an impact on your on your tax picture. What about people, though, who like getting the big refunds and every year it just goes towards something they want to do? I I personally don't have a problem with that as long as the the plan is in place, as both of you guys were alluding to. If you know that you're on pace to save the right amount for retirement, your kid's college education is funded, you're well on pace to wipe out all your debt, and these are things that basically you're going to use the money to fund some fun things uh, throughout the year, I, I like getting big refund dollars for that purpose because it is a form of delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. And as Mike said, if a 
if a surprise pops up and your tax picture swings, at least it's swinging and maybe you don't get to do the fun stuff as opposed to, boy, I was counting on that money to fund my retirement for this year. Now what am I going to do? Yeah. Good point. Yeah, you have to be dialed into the kind of the major life events and changes because if you're getting married or having a baby or having kids leave the house and no longer become dependents, you really want to uh, be on top of that and make adjustments. If you're just joining us, we're talking about taxes. Today's show is all about taxes, and we're actually talking about whether it makes sense to get a big refund or if you should adjust uh, adjust your withholdings to get a little bit closer to break even. I want to shift gears because a lot of people say that getting a big refund is a big tax mistake. Let's talk about some big tax mistakes in hopes that, you know, people will hear about them and don't make them them themselves. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people, people make is getting their tax advice from the wrong source. And this goes back a few years, but do you guys remember when uh, the government was offering a a tax credit for putting in place tax or, or sorry efficient furnaces and and things like oh, that yeah. Ener energy yeah, yeah. efficiency credits and and whatnot. Well, you had all kinds of uh, furnace salesmen, air conditioning salesmen going around the countryside, finding folks, pointing out to them, hey, if you spend money on this new furnace, you're going to get a bunch of money back from the government. Speaking of that, it's it's a little hot in here, Casey. <laughs> I'm just just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving you uh, a warm gesture. Yeah, that. thumbs up. That's right. Uh, so, so here's what was happening, though. People were uh, being confused by the fact that not everyone was eligible for that particular credit. And you had some people making big decisions to go buy a new furnace, not realizing that the credit didn't apply to them because their tax uh, scenario was just different than uh, you know what would actually apply. So the the risk is not getting your advice your financial uh, or tax knowledge from a true professional it can it can cost you dearly at times yeah and i i would go back to the first topic that we talked about i i think uh some of the biggest tax mistakes aren't made when when you're filling out your tax return they're made when you're filling out your w4 mhm mm and that actually sets the table for things to go really well or really poorly which is why you want to work with your tax planner and then your HR person and payroll person to execute on that, but to get your withholdings done correctly. So if you want a refund, you're, you're going to position yourself to do so. If you want to break even, you're positioning yourself to do that. I mentioned earlier that we're going to be talking about the huge difference with itemized deductions and, and what that can do to your tax return. We got that coming up. Plus, we even had a listener critique us about the last time we talked about taxes, and you're going to want to hear what he said. We're going to address it on the show. Coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Hey, good morning. Thanks for tuning in to 95.3 MNC. You're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. In the studio with me, my business partners, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. We're talking taxes today. We're about to pick up with itemized deductions and how crucial that is. But we left off talking about some big tax mistakes. I feel like we didn't give that enough answer. Uh, Josh, what do you got? 
I, I think another mistake that we didn't hit before is not using the right tax shelters for your particular situation. I, I run into people all the time who are, are somewhat blindly continuing to pump money into a traditional IRA or a 401k because they always heard back in the day someone convinced them that you need to save money into these types of retirement accounts because in the future when you're in retirement, that's when you'll be in a lower tax bracket and it's better to pay taxes then. That may not be true for everybody anymore. There have been such significant tax uh, law swings in this country over the past decade or more that for some people using a Roth IRA is more appropriate just simply because they're actually in a low enough tax bracket now because the tax brackets came down to them that it's possible that they could be in a higher tax bracket out there in the future. So, you know, not using the right uh, tax shelters could be a mistake and in the long run just cost you more in tax than is necessary. That's why I love financial planning. And I know we're biased, but this is squarely, the, weather, the, the, the decision on whether you do a Roth IRA or traditional, something like that, that's purely a tax question. And most people bring that question to their financial advisor who really doesn't deal with taxes at all. That's why, you know, I'm biased, but I believe in our approach. That's why we've got a team of tax professionals on, on staff. And if you have questions, whether which one makes sense for you or not, give us a call over at Corhorn or, or catch us online at corhorn.com, K-O-R-H-O-R-N.com. So, okay. Yeah, I think, Go ahead. yeah, if I was looking at mistakes and I'm, and I'm going to move quickly here, but I, I think the biggest mistake someone could make related to their taxes is not having a tax plan. Yeah. And because you're either going to be proactive and make decisions about what opportunities you're going to cash in or not. And so that's where I would encourage everyone to have a tax plan. Work with your financial planner, work with your CPA, your accountant, whomever that professional is in your life who is good at giving you advice and and looking proactively at your situation. How often would you review that that plan? Well, I I would I would certainly not review it when I'm getting my taxes prepared, right. depending on my situation. So I would do that, likely do that outside of uh, tax season, if you will. So sometime after April 15th, I'd be sitting down with my financial advisor, my CPA accountant and saying, all right, what are the opportunities? What are we looking at for 2016? What are the changes that I need to be aware of? And how do I adjust things? Because on the heels of that, the second biggest mistake is just being embarrassed about not knowing anything about taxes. Yeah. And we run into lots of folks who just are embarrassed that they haven't filed their taxes, that they don't know what they need to know, et cetera, et cetera. And we, I try and encourage people, take that energy uh, of whatever shame or embarrassment you might be feeling and put it into fixing the situation. There is no need whatsoever to be embarrassed if you've done something wrong or made a big mistake or you're even behind on your taxes and you owe a bunch of uh, taxes. It, you should be embarrassed if you don't fix it. That, that's where the embarrassment should come in. But don't, don't, uh, don't be embarrassed that you've got a, a, a problem that needs to be fixed right now. I think uh, a lot of people make the mistake of not itemizing or not looking at whether they should itemize or not. A few weeks ago, we were talking about taxes on the show. We had one of our CPAs, Ryan Fair, on the show with us, and we touched on itemized deduction versus standard deduction. Following that show, we had a listener, Steve, call in and give us some feedback, kind of took us to task and gave us some feedback and said, hey, you didn't really cover this appropriately and so on. He made some great suggestions. Thanks, Steve. We're actually going to hit that as a listener question here here coming up. But let's talk about itemized versus standard deduction 
because I think a lot of people are getting this wrong. I told you at the beginning of the show that you won't believe what the total amount of itemized deductions are versus standard deductions. So here's the quick fact. Only one out of four households actually takes an itemized deduction. However, the total itemized deductions by Americans is almost twice that of standard deductions. So only 25% of the people do it, but yet it's almost twice the amount of deduction. $1.2 trillion. That is staggering. I fear a lot of people are taking the easy way out and saying, you know what, I don't want to keep this these extra receipts or keep these extra forms. I'm just going to go the easy way out, take my standard deduction and keep cruising and leave a lot of money on the table. So let's break down what the itemized deduction really means and and really so we can equip people to making sure they get as much money as possible back uh, on in this area. Well, you have to make a choice when you file your taxes. You're either going to take a standard deduction. So if you're married, that's 12600 And if you're single, it's 6300 So that's a standard deduction. That's the coupon that you get if nothing else applies. If you don't take the standard deduction, then you itemize. And when, you, when you're looking at itemizing and what does that mean, and keep in mind your standard or your, especially the itemized deductions, these things reduce the amount of taxable income that I owe uh, on on the federal side, mm-hmm. my my itemized deductions don't help me on my state, but they do help me on the Fed. Good point. So you just go right down the form, and, and at the top of the form, you look at medical and dental expenses, and it's there's a calculation to figure out how much of your medical and dental expenses are deductible, and that ends up uh, over there on the on the in the column that you're adding up your itemized deductions. Well, a lot of people don't realize. Uh, that there's an awful lot that goes into counting uh, the medical expenses. But as you point out, Kevin, you have to clear a threshold of 10% of your adjusted gross income, which that's a whole bunch of jargon. Basically think, add up all your income, take 10% of that, and that amount of money gets thrown out when you're calculating your medical expenses. So it's important to tally up all of them that you can. It's things like... um, you know, ta- uh, expenses in traveling to uh, a medical facility or to, to get treatment. It could be your health insurance premiums that you pay, actual out-of-pocket doctor expenses. Um, the, the list goes on and on. But Glasses, the point is, vision, dental, all that stuff. Long-term yep. care premiums. Yep, you got it. So, so it's a long list that you could be creating, but just know that the first chunk gets thrown out. There's a threshold that you have to clear before it becomes countable. And the threshold's based on your birthday, too. So as if it weren't complicated enough, right? Um, there's a, there's a curveball in there. Yeah, we're talking about exactly why people would, would want to ignore itemizing because it's just complicated. We're hitting that first category, and it's that complicated. Yeah, next you'd look at the taxes that you paid. So you've, if you paid state and local taxes, if you paid real estate taxes, the kind of personal property taxes, tags on your car, uh, this is where you would put uh, sales tax. Yep, we'll mm-hmm. pick that one back up after the break, yep. Okay, So there, and there are a few other things there, but the next would be interest that you paid. So if you have a mortgage mm-hmm. uh, that you... Uh, have paid interest on, you get your 1098 and you take that number and you put it in there. And there are a number of other uh, items that would go in that category, but just think interest that you've paid. Next would be charitable deductions uh, or charitable contributions, excuse me. So that's cash contributions, that's donations, 
even volunteering uh, miles that you've driven to a volunteer. So you've got that there. And then lastly, under the, the Schedule A, which is the itemized deduction, sorry for the jargon, is miscellaneous expenses. So these could be unreimbursed job-related expenses, even financial advisor, some financial advisor expenses and tax preparation fees, union dues, and other things. That makes up the whole list there. Josh, am I missing anything? Or I, I don't think so. I mean, you guys uh, walked through the form, but you know, my, my mind is still going back to this idea that so many people are not itemizing their deductions. They're not building their own write-off instead of taking the one that the government offers. And you know, you could come to the conclusion that maybe they're being lazy or maybe they just don't realize what they can write off. But the, the fact still remains that the one the government is offering, that tax write-off, we call it the standard deduction, it's $12,600 for a married couple. That is much larger than it ever used to be in the past. And so it's it's such a good coupon that you can take. Many people struggle to build their own and have it be better than that one anyway. And certainly for those who have already paid off their mortgage or they've gotten that balance whittled down to a level that there's just not much mortgage interest that they're paying, th that's such a major write-off for many people that uh, if they don't have it, it's going to be hard for them to clear the, the threshold of what the government is already offering. Yeah, good point. Okay, when we come back, we're going to be talking about listener Steve, who called in with some suggestions on how we covered taxes last time. Actually, he's got some interesting ideas that I think would be intriguing to listen to and could apply to your situation. So we've got that and more coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Hey, good morning. Thanks for tuning in to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. You're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. We're about to turn to listener questions. If you have a listener question, or if you, a listener, have a question, you can leave us that question in two ways. One on the voicemail box, give us a call. 574-222-2000, or you can go online, submit the question right there at wisemoneyradio.com. Okay, uh, we are going to be starting with listener Steve, who actually called in and gave us some feedback the last time we talked about taxes on the air, and he said, hey, why didn't you guys hit this? Why didn't you hit this? This would have been helpful. I actually found it really helpful to, to get that sort of feedback. Yeah, so, thanks, Steve. Uh, feedback is the breakfast of champions. You got it. So, and normally I don't eat breakfast, so there we go. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Steve's last name is TurboTax, by the way. He, he either <laughs> pretty, invented the, the tax code or the software. I'm not sure which. So the first one actually has to do with, with Schedule A or itemized deduction, what we were just talking about. And he said, why didn't you guys communicate with people that they can claim their health insurance premiums as a medical deduction on the Schedule A itemized? Yeah, guys. Why didn't you? Well, so so here's what I said to Steve in response was, well, we, we touched on it a bit, but the risk there is if you just tell people, hey, you can deduct your medical, uh, your health insurance premiums, a lot of businesses, if you're an employee and you're paying for your health insurance right out of your paycheck, a lot of businesses have it set up where your health insurance premium that you're paying is run through a Section 125 plan, which means it's coming out of your paycheck pre-tax. And I actually like that better 
than deducting it on Schedule A because if it's coming out right on your paycheck and deducted from from taxes right there, you're not paying federal tax, but you're also not paying state or local tax, and you're not paying FICA. So it's a better tax deduction than what you'd get if you itemized it. Plus, Josh, you already mentioned in the last segment that the medical deduction for itemized, you've got to surpass a threshold. And and with this, if it's being deducted right out of your paycheck, there's no threshold you need to leap over. That's right. Although, you know, for those of you who are retired and and maybe you're not on an employer uh, sponsored health insurance plan anymore, this is a helpful way for you to get up over that 10% threshold because, you know, everybody knows just how costly, how expensive it is to be paying for health insurance. And uh, this is this is one of those major expenses that can help you tally up your own medical medical costs. The other point he made was that we didn't talk about the additional child tax credit. And if I remember, again, it was a few weeks ago, I believe we did touch on the child tax credit and how important that is. Kevin, you talked about that earlier in the show as well and uh, and how what kids do to your tax situation. But he, he mentioned we didn't talk about the additional child tax credit. Well, to me, I, I don't see this as something really worth talking about, to, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, so you're right. We didn't hit it. Um, but there are some details worth leaving out. In my opinion, you know, a, a, an additional tax credit for, for having children is something that you get if you weren't able to take the full uh, child tax credit up front, you know, further up the, the tax return. So That's when we right. talk about getting $1,000 for each child, if you don't get all of it up front, some of it is, uh, it, it can be taken as a refund further down the, the page. In my mind, it makes sense to just cover this as a $1,000 credit for most people. That's right. Now, there are only a few credits that are quote-unquote refundable, which means if you right. don't have enough tax, it goes down to the bottom of the page, like Josh talked about. Earned income credits, one of them. And then a portion of the American Opportunity Credit, which is an education or college credit, only a portion of that's refundable. So, But, yeah, that's also what Steve and I talked about, that, yeah, it's just it's just $1,000, depending on where you take it. So it's either the normal deduction or you get the additional amount at the bottom if you didn't take it above. Yeah, but listener Steve brings up some great questions that are very practical, especially as he's talking about kids. And one of the things that I found is that people uh, who who have children or are about to have children don't adequately prepare for what's going to happen to their tax situation. And there, I made a list of 11 ways that children change your tax picture and different opportunities. And I, I'm not going to share them all right now, but it is a, it's astounding when you sit down and study what children are able to do to your tax picture. So the last comment or que- I'm framing it in a question that, that he made, this one also will kind of get your, make your brain hurt a little bit. He said, should people, well, here's the question, I, I guess, should people claim their state taxes paid in their itemized deduction or should they instead do sales tax. And he mentioned that he's been doing sales tax for a while. He's got several kids and there's deductions and so on. So he's not paying a lot of state tax. Therefore, deducting the sales tax is a bigger deduction. I think for most people, in fact, most CPAs, just plug in whatever your state tax that you paid. They plug that number into your itemized and never look at whether the sales tax would be would be bigger. But if you're retired, or maybe you live in a state that doesn't have state tax like Florida, 
a sales tax would be a much bigger deduction. Yeah, that's the example that comes to my mind. We have a lot of clients that live in Florida, and if they go out and buy a new truck or a new vehicle or something and pay sales tax on that vehicle, you know, obviously claiming that as a write-off instead of the state income tax, which is zero for those people, that's going to be a better deal. But I, I honestly, I think Steve might be one of the first people that I've ever heard of who actually tracks all their spending throughout the year. I think he described a, a situation where they save every receipt and the kids actually go through those receipts at the end of the year, add it all up, and then they do the comparison between what did we spend on sales tax versus what did we pay in income taxes, and they make the judgment call on which one's, which one's bigger. Yeah, I love it. Actually, yeah, that's 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 very a diehard, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, thanks for the question, Steve. We've got more questions right now. Uh, Kim from Granger. My youngest child is in college, but not too sure what he wants to do with the rest of his life. This caused him to go to just IUSB part-time in 2015, and he got a part-time job as well. He still lives at home, and we provide most of his support. Can I claim him on my taxes or not? That's one of the biggest questions that you have to wrestle through when you're preparing your returns or working with your CPA. Who do you get to claim on the tax return? And, you know, Kevin described how kids can uh, change your tax picture pretty dramatically. Well, losing those kids on your tax return can uh, do the same thing in reverse as well. So the, the question of whether or not your son is, is countable or, or claimable on your tax return, you have to go through a series of questions. The, the first question would be, was he under age 19 at the end of the year? If he was, you get to claim him. If he was over 18 but under age 24, then you have to ask the question, was he a full-time student for at least five months last year? Now, I think Kim described him as going to IUSB part-time in 2015. What we don't know is, did he go to uh, you know any type of school full-time, maybe in the spring semester, for example? If that's the case, five months out of the year is, is the magic uh, time frame, and you'd be able to claim him in that case. If you fail both of those tests, then we're hoping that you can claim him as a qualified relative is the term that the IRS would use. And that's essentially someone who's a family member we often think of it as a senior parent that's living with you, but it could be one of your kids as well. And um, are, are you providing at least 50% of their care and support? And did they uh, earn less than $4,000 for the year? Yep. That's the the uh, the criteria there. If he fails that third test, then unfortunately, he's probably falling into the part-time student trap that catches so many families each year. And you don't get to deduct them and any tuition that you may have paid, you don't get to claim that either. It, it is very tricky and I'm glad you use, you use the word trap because a lot of people uh, get, an, get this ugly surprise when they're filling out their taxes. So we've got more listener questions coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Wise Money deserves wise legal counsel. Powered by Ledoux, Curran, and Keene. On the web at lck-law.com. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. You're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me is Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn. 
the three of us are financial advisors at Corhorn Financial Group. We are taking listener questions right now. If you have a question for the show, you can leave that for us in two ways. Give us a call on the voicemail box, 574-222-2000, or go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can check out information on the show, listen to past episodes, and leave a question right there on the right. Okay, next question comes from Aaron in Granger. My wife and I got in Indiana long-term care partnership policies last year, and our agent told us our premiums are deductible on our taxes. Is that true? And if so, how do I make sure I get this deduction? This, Aaron, is a fantastic tax planning question. Uh, it's a great question for your tax planner. You can, you'll likely be able to get this answer if you have a CPA who's preparing your taxes. You likely won't get this answer if your preparer is offering prepaid debit cards or uh, refund anticipation loans. Or if you're doing the return on, by it, yourself. Yeah, it's possible if you're doing it yourself, you won't get it wrong. So, you, so if you are in the state of Indiana and buy a long-term care partnership policy, that is a fantastic, fantastic deal. Um, the the benefit that you get on your state tax return is there's a dollar for dollar deduction. So whatever you paid last year for your premiums, you can deduct that from your state of Indiana tax return. That gets missed all the time. By all the, way. the time. Right. If you so, donate yourself, if you're using a CPA or whatever else, yeah, it gets missed all the time. So make sure if you've got long term care and you live in Indiana, you're deducting what you pay, and you have a partnership policy, you're deducting that. Um, if you're self-employed, here's where it starts to get interesting. If you're self-employed, you can deduct all that you paid on line 29 of your 1040. Unbelievable. Yes. That's an awesome deal. Fantastic. The self-employed health insurance deduction right there. Do people know what a 1040 is, though? <laughs> what are we talking about? Taxes? <laughs> yes. That's just your, your federal income tax return. On, on the first page of your federal income tax return. Yeah. Right. The financial... Ref- uh, the, the, the financial experts out there, nerds, really, mm-hmm. uh, we, we would refer to it as a 1040, but just think federal tax return. Yeah. So then next on your Schedule A, subject to age-based limits and subject to either 10% or 7.5% of your adjusted gross income, you can deduct it there as well. And here's another interesting thing, as if uh, you haven't already heard enough, Aaron, you can use your HSA account to make your payments. So if you're stuffing your HSA account full of money, whether it's right now while you're working or in retirement, you can use those dollars, use pre-tax dollars to pay your premium. So there's all kinds of different options and opportunities. And so for sure, for sure, talk to your planner and try and figure out what is the best approach to maximize the deductibility of, of your long-term care premiums. Here's the deal. Most people have a story about a family member or someone that they know who's had dementia or who's had to go into a nursing home or something like that. This risk, as our population ages, baby boomers get older, this risk and, and buying long-term care insurance to protect against it is going to become a bigger and bigger financial issue. Part of the problem is the insurance is extremely expensive. So make sure you get the right type of policy. One, it needs to be qualified. It needs to be Indiana partnership Mm -hmm. to to get all those benefits Kevin mentioned. But then 
it's it's such a costly insurance. Make sure you're deducting it on your taxes, doing it the right way. If you've got questions about that, give us a call. You can call us on the Wise Money line or give us a call at, at Corhorn. We want to help you with that and make sure that you're you're deducting it. So, thanks for the question, Aaron. Great question. We've got another great question from John in Mishawaka. He's 66. He says, "My wife and I retired last year. Congratulations!" And we started drawing Social Security. They never even asked us if we wanted taxes withheld. So we didn't. When we did our taxes this year, however, we owed about $3,000. Is this Ouch. right? Is this right? What can I do about this? What's that? That's another great question. You're asking, is it right? It, it's, I would answer the question, it's likely correct. But is it right? No, <laughs> that is not right. It flat out is morally it, yes. They're Ab- taxing you on, on money that you already paid in and came tax. out. Yes. And, and President Reagan signed the first, uh, he was the first guy to sign into law that part of your Social Security benefits will be taxable. And President Clinton came along in 1993 in, with one of the biggest tax increases in the history of the world and signed the Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act where the, the, the taxation provisions were modified to add more thresholds and higher taxable percentage for beneficiaries, all this stuff. So your benefits have been taxable since the early 80s, and that increased dramatically in the early 90s. That can be a surprise to a lot of people, though, because everybody knows someone who's been retired for a while, drawing Social Security, and that person would tell you, oh, I don't pay any taxes in retirement, or I don't pay taxes on my Social Security. So you just assume that that applies to you as well. And the, the truth is, as Kevin pointed out, it is possible that you may have to pay tax on up to 85% of your Social Security. Nobody pays tax on all of it, but some of it could be taxable just depending on what your overall tax picture looks like. That is a different issue, though, than withholding taxes on your Social Security. They don't have to pull money off the top like you used to have done uh, out of your paycheck at work, for example. Your employer used to pull the money off the top, pay it to the government, and you you were good. They don't have to do that. You don't have to choose to do that with Social Security, but that doesn't change the fact that it might be taxable to you. Yeah, and so your question, John, what should I do? One of your options is with Social Security, you can withhold federal taxes from your Social Security benefits, and you can do this when you apply for benefits, or you can sign up after the fact. And it's fairly simple. What you do is get a form W-4V, and you simply select the amount of your monthly benefit that you want withheld for taxes and you choose to withhold and they give you a, a preset amount, it's either 7, 10, 15 or 25% from your social security payment that can be withheld for federal taxes. You can't withhe- withhold for state taxes. Um, on Indiana, it doesn't really matter because you don't pay taxes on your social security, at least Indiana state taxes on your social security. What a nasty surprise though. I mean, your your first year of the golden years and it's tax time, all of a sudden you've got a $3,000 tax bill to pay and you know, not that John wants to be an example on this show of what not to do, but honestly, I think the lesson here is that when you're transitioning into retirement, this is one of those phases of life where your tax picture is going to change. And in fact, it may change year in and year out in retirement just simply because of all the moving parts with your income, especially associated with Social Security. So to me, this is the time, if you've never done it before, to seek out a tax planner, not just someone to prepare your taxes, but someone who can help you be proactive and looking forward so that you know whether or not any of these surprises could be on on the horizon for you. 
Well, think about this. If you've got an IRA or you've got an old 401k, something like that, and you've just, you're just going about your life, you're in retirement, and all of a sudden you say, yeah, I think, I'm, I think it's time for that new car. I'm going to pull $25,000 out of my IRA and buy my new car. That could mean now, yeah, you've got to pay tax on that twenty-five grand if it's pre-tax, but it could also mean now you've got to pay tax on some of your Social Security. So right. you get a double whammy there. Yeah, that twenty-five thousand could pull another ten or fifteen thousand of Social Security benefits over into the taxable column. And that is exactly the type of swing that you don't want to find out at on April fifteenth or when you're filing your returns. You want to know what the effects of those decisions are going to be long before uh, they come into play. Yep. So, John, top three ways to get your taxes paid. You can do it through withholdings. You can do it through estimating. You can do it through distributions from your retirement plans. And there are a few other ways, but that's uh, that's why you want to talk with your planner. That's interesting. A lot of times when people aren't working and they get a big tax bill like this, they automatically think, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to start paying quarterlies. But if you're over 59 and a half, or in this case, if you're retired, an easy way to avoid the hassle of doing quarterly tax payments or something like that is to be sitting down proactively with your planner, with your financial planner, who hopefully is also your tax planner and doing a projection about, all right, well, should I withdraw money from, or should you withdraw money from your IRA, withhold it for taxes and cover any tax bills so there's no penalty or big surprises? I know we're kind of wrapping up the show here, but anytime we're talking this much detail about taxes, there's going to be stuff that we leave out. And I think it's important that all of our listeners know that this show, we're trying to focus on planning issues, right? This is not meant to be a show to teach you how to go prepare your own taxes. In fact, our hope is that as we've talked through some of these issues that you need to have on your radar screen, we're enhancing the conversation that you have with your advisors, not making you feel like that conversation doesn't need to happen. So our encouragement, as always, is to find a professional who can guide you through all the minefields that uh, exist in the, in the, uh, the tax code and in your tax planning and find the plan that makes sense for you so that you don't spend more in taxes than absolutely necessary. And the only thing I would add is if you haven't filled out the FAFSA form yet, go online, download our podcast on FAFSA and uh, student financial aid and get a good idea on what you're in for. That's good stuff. Okay. Hopefully you're still listening. The show's been about taxes and I know that can be dry, but to Josh's point, we're trying to help you make, uh, make some good decisions and plan effectively for your taxes. So Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group. My name's Mike Bernard, and on behalf of myself and Kevin and Josh, the rest of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next time uh, here on 95.3 MNC. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.